Hey guys, welcome to my podcast. I pray you are empowered to walk in the fullness of your God design. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you. I'm excited about uh, this year's theme, and Kim asked me to kind of really hone in on identity, and when she, I'm going to be honest with you, when she said that, I was like, can I please just speak on something else? Like, you know, almost everybody in this room, this is my own hometown, I'm in my own place, I'm in my own space, so I actually have to write a new message. I can't, you know, like when we travel around, come on, with some tips and tricks, we kind of take take some of our stuff with us, right? But the Lord's always sweet, he he makes it fresh, he makes it, he resets it, and he makes it new, Um, and so I really just was asking the Lord, what? What do you have in mind for the ladies this weekend? Like, why why is it that no matter where we go, no matter what women's conference we go to, we always come back around to this idea of identity? And, and God was reminding me that this is a very critical issue. You know, our sister talked last night about the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. And, and we heard today um, even more about having that faith and knowing that God, we are who God says we are. We have to revisit this over and over and over and over and over again. It is a critical, critical issue. And the reason is because you and I will either live up to or down to who we believe we are. We will either live up to or we will live down to who we believe we really are. And I began to think about all the different places in the scripture over and over and over again. And there's one theme throughout every single story from creation to revelation and its identity. It's God over and over and over again visiting his people and saying, let me remind you first and foremost of who I am because I am who I am. You are who you are, and I want to pull you out of your circumstance. I want to pull you out of your reality, and I want to shift you into the spirit, and I want to remind you of who you are over and over and over again. I want everybody in this room to just say with me, aha, aha. That is the theme of my message today. Aha! Because here's what I think we need. I think every day we need to wake up with a fresh aha. Because over and over and over again, and what I do is constantly visiting with people and having to re-reconcile what they know they believe, what they say they believe, but yet what they're really living and how they're behaving and who they're responding to and the voices that they're believing over and over and over again. We have to continuously reconcile, and you'll hear me use that word a lot, we have to continuously reconcile what I'm experiencing, what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, what my opinions are, what the world's opinions are, yet this is what God says. And isn't it true, ladies, that over and over again, our life is all about us standing in our soul realm, trying to drag it into an alignment with what God says is true for us. And we hear over and over again, look, you're standing on the side of victory. So I feel like I've got this fishing hook that I'm constantly trying to reel my soul into an alignment with God's soul for me. Meaning God has a thinker and he is a feeler and he is a picker. That's your mind, your will, your emotion. It's your soul. And your, your thinker and your feeler and your picker is always at war with your spirit man within you. 
That's what it tells us in Galatians. And so we find ourselves battling back and forth, not between what I know, but how I'm going to choose to live. I have a lot of quotes up there on my shirts, and one of the questions that I ask people all the time is, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be right now? We know who we could be. We know who we should be. Come on, religion will tell us who you should be. But the question is, who do you want to be? Because at the end of the day, in every situation, in every thought, in every circumstance, in every relationship, you have to continuously go back to this place and choose, who am I going to be right now? That is the power that God has given to you and I when he said, stand upon the earth, subdue it, have dominion. He's talking about moments like that. He's talking about moments like that. The Lord was reminding me this morning as I was uh, praying in, in Gen- Genesis, in the very beginning, it says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the earth. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Listen, there was an earth, but it was without form. It was out, without definition. It was without an identity. It was without shape. But the spirit was hovering, ready to move at the aha of God. And I would like to propose to you that today there are spaces and there are places in your life that you are saying it's still without any form. It still feels void. It still has no shape. And I'm looking for someone or something or some kind of circumstance that would bring definition to what it is I'm experiencing Isn't that what happened in the Old Testament when manna continued to fall and manna means what is it? I'm looking for uh, a place to define what it is I'm experiencing. I'm looking for definition in my life. And over and over and over again, we see the enemy trying to redefine what God has already brought definition to. God says from the very beginning, I am the God who has brought definition into the world. I have been continuously speaking. And when I speak, you get a revelation and you experience the aha of God. In the Old Testament, in in creation, he created Adam and Eve. And they walked with one, with God. And they were confident, they were bold, they were courageous, they were without shame, they were without fear, they were without doubt, and they were naked. Come on, let's just keep it real. How many of you can just walk around your room totally confident, naked? But the reality is, there was no shame. They, they lived in the aha of God. See, they had a recognition of who they really were because they were facing the aha. Not because they had a mirror, but they could see themselves in the image of God. Because they were created in the image and in the likeness of God. Everything was perfect. Everything was in harmony. Everything was reconciled. And then we know that the enemy entered in and things in a moment changed. They became unreconciled. We were created to be the expression of the very person of God. His love, his character, his fullness contained within you and I. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Adam and Eve valiantly living their lives, walking around. No shame. But when the enemy entered in, he interrupted their Eden. He crashed in and he interrupted their even, causing Adam and Eve to see 
things through the flesh and no longer through the spirit. The aha of the kingdom left them in, the mo- in a moment and they began to cover up the beauty of who they were. And so we see the conflict begins from here all the way through Revelation where God is trying to continuously bring his people back to the Garden of Eden, trying to restore us. We see this aha throughout. Now I'm not you to repeat something else for me. This one's a little more difficult than aha. Everybody say Malak. Malak. Yahweh. Malak. Yahweh. Okay, so can I teach you ladies a little bit this morning? What I want for you today is I want you to walk away with an aha. Because we're going to preach our hearts out this weekend. And we're going to bring some really good stuff. We're going to bring some really, really good content. We're going to teach you. We're going to throw the word of God out at you. But unless you get an aha by the Holy Spirit, you won't get it. You will miss it. I was telling my sister the other day, I said I was reading in the, uh, about the disciples, and I'm going to talk about this in a little bit, who were on the road to Emmaus. And they walked with Jesus, and he read to them the word. And I would like to propose to you that they were in the presence of God, and they were reading the word of God, but they missed the revelation. It is possible for you to miss it. And usually we miss it because we think we already know it. And then we walk out of here inspired, feeling good and fluffy, but no transformation has taken place because transformation only comes by a holy revelation and a holy revelation comes by the aha of God. So I want to bring you back to this word, Malak Yahweh. The Malak Yahweh. Over and over again in the Old Testament, there are places where it says the angel of the Lord came and visited somebody. There are different places where it just said they were visited by an angel or the spirit of God or God spoke to them. But there are places where it says specifically, an angel of the Lord came. If you read this in the Hebrew, it's the idea of the Malach Yahweh. What this means is that this is not an ordinary angel. It is what they call a theophany. A lot of people think it was a pre-incarnate Christ. It was God who actually injected himself into the moment and began to shift things. God himself stepped out of the heavens and inserted himself into a circumstance in order to meet with a person. Now when we see this phrase, Malach Yahweh, in the Hebrew, it is always, always when God is meeting with an individual and he is either revealing to them or reminding them of who they are. So it's a very specific presence that they are experiencing in that moment, the Malak Yahweh, the Aha of God, where his presence literally comes and, and, and saturates that moment and begins to shift. Everybody say shift. Begins to shift them. In that moment. The first place we see this is in Hagar, in Genesis 16 with the story of Hagar. Now let me give you the backstory here, just so we have an understanding of what Hagar is experiencing. Hagar is an Egyptian slave, and she is basically employed, owned, by Abraham and Sarai. Now God has given Abram a word and has said, you will bear a son. And Sarah is unable to get pregnant. And so finally she says, here, take my maidservant, Hagar, and have sex with her. Now, nobody asked Hagar how she feels about this. I would like to propose to you that we see an early, in the Bible, just a picture of even sex trafficking. 
of what is happening here. She doesn't get an opinion. She is used. She is abused. She does everything she's asked to do. Then she is mistreated and she is cast out into the desert for doing everything right. And when she was forgotten, when she was in the desert, I want you to know that there was a Moloch Yahweh that entered into her circumstance. In that moment, there was an aha that she so desperately needed. And what happened in the aha was things were reconciled in her life, meaning her circumstance, her reality was brought into an alignment with what God was saying is true. Now hear what I'm saying, meaning she didn't necessarily, her circumstance didn't change. It means she got a new perspective of her circumstance. And here is what God said to her. God shows up to her in the wilderness as she is running. He interrupts her reality. He interrupts her wastefulness. He interrupts her isolation. And he says this, Now the angel of the Lord, the Malach Yahweh, found her by a spring in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid. Now listen to me. She didn't know who she was, but God knew exactly who she was. He spoke her name. Now this is the other interesting thing is you read throughout the scriptures and you see this Malach Yahweh. God always starts by speaking their name or speaking their identity. Most often he says it twice. So the next place we see this Malach Yahweh is in Genesis 22 where he shows up when Abraham is asked to sacrifice Isaac. He shows up and he says, Abraham, Abraham. Then we see it with Jacob when he's wrestling in Genesis 32, when he's wrestling with the angel of the Lord, and he says, Jacob, you will be called Israel. Then we see it in Exodus 3, when Moses has the burning bush, he shows up and he says, Moses, Moses. So there's power when God speaks your name, because he's reminding you that there is one who knows you. There is one who has named you. There is one who has defined you. There is one who knows where you've come from and knows where you're going, which is what he says to her next. He says, where have you come from and where are you going? This reminds me of the old, in, the, in Genesis, in the, when, they're cat, when they have sinned, he comes and he shows up and the first thing he says is, where are you? And God will ask you those questions when you're in that place of, I'm not sure where I'm at. I'm in a wilderness. I feel cast out. I'm not sure where I fit in. I've been abused. I've been mistreated. Nobody loves me. I'm all alone. I'm in a wilderness. I am deserted. I've done everything right, yet here I am, God. And God shows up. He will show up in the midst of your shame, in the midst of your nakedness, whatever it is you're experiencing, and he will often say, where are you? Where have you come from, and where are you going? And so often our answer is, I don't know. And it's the perfect answer because it sets God up to give you the answer. If I have learned one thing over the years, it is if God asks you a question, you can be sure it's because you don't know the answer. And he's asking a question because the truth is she doesn't know where she's come from. She doesn't know where she's going. All she knows is she can't go back to where she was. All she knows is she has to escape the oppression She has to escape the abuse. She has to escape the mistreatment that the world is throwing at her. She's done everything right. And here's what I would like to propose to you. It goes on and it says, she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. See, often 
We are begging God to change our circumstance, and I want to tell you that God is more interested in changing your heart than he is changing your circumstance. See, often he won't change your circumstance, but he will shift your perspective. He will shift you into your identity, your real identity, despite the identity that the world is speaking to you. Because in this situation, in this situation, what the world said she couldn't receive, God said she would have. See, she was an Egyptian. She wasn't due the inheritance of Abraham. But God goes on and he speaks a blessing over her and he says, Behold, you are with child and you shall bear a son. See, there is something in you that God has for you to birth, that purpose, that destiny. God has a birthing for each one of us to do. He has a blessing for each one of us to do. It doesn't matter what your mama told you. It doesn't matter what your grandma told you. It doesn't matter your inheritance. It doesn't matter if you're an Egyptian and you don't feel like you're of the favorable tribe, whatever that means. Because in God's eyes, he says, I will pick you up, slave of Abraham, and I will drop you into the blessings of the kingdom because even you are worthy. I will pick you up. Everybody say shift. She was experiencing the aha of God, and in a moment, things were shifting for her. The only thing she needed to do was get up and decide, who will I believe? Will I believe what Sarai's been telling me? Will I believe what my emotions are telling me? Will I believe what my circumstances say? Because I guarantee you she went back into that house, and Sarah did not have a change of heart. But Hagar had a change of heart because she had an aha through the Malak Yahweh of God, and that, that change of heart, that aha caused a shift shift, not on her outside. It caused a shift on her inside. Everybody stay with me, shift. Ladies, we need a fresh revelation. We need a fresh revelation because I can stand up here and preach till I am completely hoarse, and I can. But unless you get a fresh revelation, you will never shift. All you will do is get inspired, and then Monday comes, and then get inspired, and then Monday comes, and then you'll get inspired, and then Monday comes. And we are tired of inspiring you. We are calling forth a spiritual shift in this room that comes only by the aha of the kingdom. We need a Malak Yahweh for today. We need the angel of the Lord to not just the omnipresence of God, but the manifest presence of God in our lives. We need a shift. What the world mistreated, God cherished. What the world cursed, God blessed. Come on. What the world dismissed, God found. What the world said was lost, God said, I see you. And it goes on and it says this. She says this, then she called to the name of the Lord who spoke to her and said, you are the God who sees me. For she said, I also have seen him who sees me. In some versions it says this, I now see the God who first saw me. I would like to propose to you that God's presence has been with you long before you had the revelation of it. Come on, let's go back to Genesis where it says, and the spirit of the Lord was hovering over the earth. And when God spoke the word and said, let there be light, there was a revelation of what was existing all along. Come on, there's an existence in your life and just because you have and gotten the revelation of it does not negate the existence of it because we see here that the angel of the Lord was talking, was having interaction, was speaking to Hagar, and it wasn't until the very end that all of a sudden she was like, aha, I get it, God. I see it. The Malak Yahweh has manifest in my presence, and I feel a shift coming from within me. 
That's the reconciliation that we need. We need a reconciliation that says my soul is finally coming into an alignment with what I felt, what I sensed, what I've heard, what I've been told. Finally, I am coming into an alignment and I am being rocked. When I minister to people and and the Lord gives me a word of knowledge and I begin to minister to them and I begin to speak into their depression and I begin to, to speak into their anger, I begin to speak into, I begin to speak to them of who God says they are And I begin to say, God says you are this. God says you are this. God says you are this. And I can feel, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give it to you straight. I can feel the war going on within the person that I'm ministering to as they're wrestling on the inside. Come on, Galatians 5 tells us that we are going to continuously wrestle on the inside. As they are wrestling on the inside, wanting to say out loud, but Lisa, you have no idea. I don't need to know your circumstance. All I need to know is that God is with you. And if God is with you, there's a shift that that's about to happen. And what happens is, is when their soul is being yanked and I'm continuously just pounding them with truth. And finally they surrender and say, I believe you, God. I believe you, God, that my life is no longer about how much I love you, but it's now about how much you love me. And I'm not living my life for you, but I'm living my life from you. And I'm no longer crying out, I love you, but I'm crying out, I love you too. And I'm no longer taking a stand, but I'm on my knees surrendered to what God has done for me. When I feel that alignment coming, come on, that's when people get their bell rung and they fall flat out on the floor because the Malak Yahweh comes upon them and they get the aha of the kingdom and they can no longer stand in the presence of the Almighty God. They are overwhelmed and they are consumed with a love that is not of this world. That is the Malak Yahweh. I can't teach that. I can't teach that. I'd like to throw it out at you. I pray at some point maybe I can throw. I don't know. But you either are going to receive it or you're not. But the first step to receiving is you got to say, I know there's more for me. As much, as much as I have had of you, God, I know there is more for me. There is always more of God to be had. There is always more of you to be had. There is always more that God has in mind for you. You want to know why I know this? Because we serve a God who is on the increase. Year after year, even science will tell you that fruit will produce more fruit every year. We expect it from our rose bush, but we don't expect it from our own lives. Come on. I'm just giving it to you straight. In Judges chapter 6, God shows up, the angel of the Lord, the Malach Yahweh, shows up to Gideon. Let's talk about Gideon's circumstance. For seven years, the enemy has been ravishing them. Mind you, they were in the promised land. Come on, I'm talking to somebody in this room. You've already arrived in the promised land. You've been given the fruit of the Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. you filled up with the ghost. You know you are from the top of your head all the way down to the tip of your toes. But you're living in depression. You're living in anger. You're living less than, and the enemy's been ravishing. He's been feasting on your goods. Come on. And the angel of the Lord, the Malak Yahweh, the Aha of the heavens, steps in, injects himself into the scene. In in verse 11, it says that the angel of the Lord came. In verse 12, it says he appeared. Come on. We don't know how long he was there before he finally appeared. Because remember, I told you, the existence of the presence of God is always hovering in the room. Come on. His Holy Spirit has been hovering here before you stepped in. He hovers over the expanse of the earth. We just need a fresh 
revelation. We need an aha of the presence of the Lord. We need an aha of the presence of the Lord. So the Bible says that Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. He was hiding in a cave. You are a child of God. Why are you hiding in a cave, threshing what should be celebrated on a mountaintop, hiding in a cave? Come on, when they would thresh wheat, what they would do is they would stand on a mountaintop, and there was almost this dance about it because they were celebrating the prosperity and the plethora and the abundance of the fruit, and they would allow the wind to carry the chaff away and separate the wheat from the chaff, but out of fear that the enemy might get a sniff of my success, I got to stay stuck in a cave. And I got to thresh my wheat through a wine press. Because if the Midianites, which by the way in the Hebrew says tension and strife. There's so much tension and strife in my life that anything I work for just gets stolen by the enemy. Some of us need to recognize that we got some tension and strife in our life that we need to deal with. Some of it's the tension and strife around you that you just need to step out of. Come on. You, you lady, I know a lot of you ladies, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to a lot of my tribe in here. You've seen the hula hoops, right? You got a hula hoop, your hula hoop, you got a, your neighbor has a hula hoop, you have a hula hoop. This is my hula hoop. This is who I am. This is my passion. This is my purpose. It's my opinion. It's me. It's my, it's my destiny. And God has called me to groom my lot. That's what it says in Psalm 16. This is your lot. Stay in it and groom it. This is my friend's hula hoop, and this is what we do, y'all. We, we, we want to fix everybody's lot. We wanna, and then in the meantime, my lot is over here, and it is gnarly and unkept. And then we're fussy, and we're we're snarky and we wonder why. Because you need to get back in your own hula hoop and you need to take care of yourself. You need to get back in there. Y'all get my book, To Love and To Be Loved. I go through the whole hula hoops, talk about hoop jumping, getting out of your hoop, letting other people in your hoop. Come on, you got to set some boundaries in your life. And some of us have some tension and we have strife in our life and it's because we don't know how to set boundaries. We don't know how to stay in our own hoop, and we don't know how to bow before the presence of the Lord and have the fresh malachia way on a daily basis so that I am walking in reconciliation. I'm walking in the aha of the Lord, just like Adam and Eve in the Eden. Look, they didn't have the coming and the going of the presence of the Lord. The Bible says they walked with him in the cool of the morning. They lived in the malachia way. They lived in the aha. They lived in the revelation. There was no hiding from it until it was interrupted, and the enemy has not changed. He has not changed. He's so dumb he can't come up with new tricks, but I would like to propose to you that we're so dumb sometimes he doesn't have to come up with new ones because we fall for the same ones over and over and over again. That's as ugly as I'm going to get with you ladies. But come on, we all have our own core lies. And if you will, if you will be honest with the Lord, you're going around the same mountain. The same mountain. The enemy doesn't have to come up with a new message because you keep falling for the old one. You keep falling for the old one. The Bible goes on and it says, Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us. And <laughs> It reminds me of Elijah when he's like, why are you hiding in the mouth of the cave? And he's like, because I'm the only prophet left. And the enemy is a liar, I'm telling you. And I love, I love that story, y'all, because it's like God pats him on the head and he's like, that's nice. Now get up, you got work to do. Go and anoint the prophet, the priest, and the king. Right? Because I ain't got time for your self-pity. 
I don't have time for your doubt. There's a work that I've called you to do. And what we see here is Gideon, come on, I'm just giving it to you straight. Because some of us like to circle that mountain. Ladies, you've got to be careful of self-pity. I face it every day in my counseling office. <laughs> we are our own worst enemies sometimes. The enemy's like, all I did was touch her, now I just watch her. I don't even have to mess with her anymore. She's already done spinning herself in circles. It goes on and it says, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Now, remember, if I'm Gideon, I'm like, who, who are you talking to? Like, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm like the smallest man from the smallest clan. Have you not seen how teeny tiny I am? I am hiding in, clay, in a clan. Yo. Which of my favorite is, uh, we always say, these are my mothers and my brothers. When he says, Jesus, your mothers and your brothers, he's like, no, these are my mothers and my brothers. All right. Anyways, I digress. But if I'm Gideon, in that moment, I'm like, who are you talking to? I'm looking behind me. And some of us are like Gideon. We're defining ourselves. So you see the reconciliation going on verbally, this conversation. Gideon is saying, this is me, this is my circumstance. God is saying, no, this is you. And Gideon is saying, no, well, if you were you, then where have you been? So the question is that Gideon is questioning God, and because he is doubting God, therefore he's doubting himself. See, God is saying, this is who I am, and this is what I'm going to do. And, and Gideon is saying, if you're really God, where have you been? Why are you allowing all of this? And some of us can relate to that circumstance. God, I've been doing all the right things for all the right reasons. I've been working really hard. Where have you been? Where are all these signs and miracles that Lisa prays over me all the time? Come on, I know you get irritated with me. I know it. I can feel it. I feel your energy, girl. But let's be honest. We often, we went to Nashville a couple weeks ago to, for ministry, and I said, well, I, I scheduled a time for us to go in, and we're going to go to this prophetic powerhouse, and we're going to receive a word. And a lot of us walked out of there irritated. You want to know why? Because we've got the same stinking word we've been getting for years. And we're tired of waiting on it. And it gets frustrating. God, if you are speaking to me, if this is what you're saying to me, then where is it? And God keeps saying, you're a mighty woman of the Lord. You're a mighty warrior, Lisa. Keep pressing in. I am calling you to this ministry. I'm calling you to this work. And my soul is like, but God, I'm so tired. Oh, my gosh. I am I'm being honest with you. So he, you see him wrestling back and forth here with the voice of God and his circumstance. With the voice of God and his genetics. I have set you free from depression. No, my mama had depression. You don't have bipolar. That's just a spirit of double-mindedness. No, no, no. My grandma's been bipolar. My daddy was bipolar. My mama's bipolar. My sister's bipolar. Listen, he's wrestling back and forth. I'm just keeping it real with you. God is saying over here, I have a work for you to do. And you're over here going, God, I'm so tired. I've been working all my life. And he's, he is, we see Gideon like literally doing this. And a lot of us feel like that on a regular basis. And Kim says, I want you to speak to their identity. And I'm like, you want me to speak to what? And the reality is we need to hear it over and over and over and over and over again because this is a critical issue. 
Because the Bible says in John 10.10 that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. God says, I have come to give you life, and I've come to give it to you in the full. So you can be saved but not be having the full. See, once you come into Christ, you receive the blood of Jesus, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The enemy can do nothing about that. But he wants to make you totally paralyzed. He wants to make you impotent. He wants to make you ineffective. He says you can have all the faith in the world, but if you don't have a work, your faith is dead. Come on, I'm not making up stuff to speak to you. I'm just speaking the word of God over you, hoping that somebody in this room will get an aha, and from the aha, you will shift into who you're supposed to be, who you really want to be. That is who you really want to be. He goes on and he says, so he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my God. How, 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 how? I preached a message several years ago, and it was called When God Gives You a What? And all the different places when God says, here's what I'm going to do. And it says, well, how can this be? I'm just a virgin. Well, how can this be? Even if you were to kill all the, fish, all the birds in the air and the fish in the sea, you could never have enough meat to feed all of these people. How can this be? And in those places, over and over again, it says that the spirit of the Lord will come upon you, will overshadow you, you will become overtaken with the power of God. He says, is the arm of the Lord too short? God is giving everybody a what today, and our job is not to ask how. Our job is just to say, okay, yes, God, if you say it, I believe it. If you said it, you're going to do it. God, if your word says it, I will obey. Like Luke chapter 5 when he says to Peter, cast out into the depths of the sea and catch yourself some fish. And Peter has to wrestle with his soul. I've been out all night and I've failed. That sucks. You want me to go back into my failure box? No, thank you. Come on, I'm just keeping it real. And God says, but out there is your identity. And he's like, no, 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 this is my identity. I'm just a fisherman who goes, goes out every night and fails. And it's early, and I've just routed up my neck, net, and I'm tired, and I've cleaned my nets, and you want me to get it back out, go out, launch out into the deep of the sea? Jesus, you are a carpenter. You don't tell a fisherman how to fish. That doesn't make any sense. But then he goes on and he says this, but at your word. And that word, word there, is the word rhema, which means aha. I get it. It's the Malak Yahweh. It's the Malak Yahweh. Nowadays, the Malak Yahweh, uh, we, we know that the, the, the ultimate Malak Yahweh was Jesus with skin on. He came, he injected himself, re revealed himself, revealed the fullness of who God was. He was the ultimate aha. He was the ultimate aha. When he entered into the room, when he entered into the scene, there was an aha that rippled across the room that people were changed. They were shifted. People who were broken became healed. People who were dead were risen up. People who were, who were lost became found. People who were blind got sight. Something shifted when the Malak Yahweh, the person of Jesus, came into the room. They could not walk out of the room the same. He was the ultimate aha in our life, and he lives and breathes and dwells within us. How quickly we forget, how quickly we forget we need a daily revelation of the aha of the kingdom, the presence of the Holy Ghost living and breathing and dwelling within us, constantly reminding you in this moment, aha, I get it, God. I see what you see. I see you looking at me. I have a revelation of you looking at me. I see the way you look at me. I agree with you, God. I am 
reconciling right now in the name of Jesus, walking ourselves through those things. This is my entire book, Enforcing Prayer, is just walking you through a verse, a declaration. Look yourself in the mirror, say your name. Lisa, you are fearfully, you are wonderfully made, and your soul knows that very well. There is no contention within you. Your mind is not questioning. Your heart is not questioning. Your voice is not questioning, but you are totally in alignment with what God says is true. We have got to learn to faith it until we become it. Because I don't always feel that way when I declare it, but if I don't feel that way, that's why I declare it. That's when we declare it. We don't wait till we feel it to declare it, because that will never happen. That is not living by faith. Faith is, is living by what is unseen, not by what is seen. So in the New Testament, we see Malach Yahweh is Jesus himself. He is the aha of the kingdom, the manifest presence of God wrapped up in skin, injected himself, interrupted the wickedness of the world, interrupted our broken identity, interrupted the curse of the enemy, and shifted us into the blessings of the kingdom. The Bible says he picked us up out of the kingdom of darkness and he brought us into the kingdom of light in a moment. Some of you are looking for a miracle in your life and I'd like to propose you already gotten it. You've already experienced it, that the miracle happened the minute you were shifted from darkness into light, from blindness into sight, from lost into found. The moment you receive Jesus as your Savior, how quickly we forget. I mentioned the road to Emmaus and the scene, and here it is just three days later, just three days later, how quickly they forgot. Just three days. That's it. Today is Saturday. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I want you to embrace what you're thinking, how you're feeling, the presence that you're experiencing right now. Who will you be on Tuesday? Who will you be on Tuesday? Because if the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord is hovering over the expanse of the earth, I would like to propose to you on Tuesday the same spirit you're feeling in this room today will be the same spirit that will be with you on Tuesday. And you won't need more of the spirit. You will just need the aha of the spirit. You will need a malak Yahweh, a revelation of the spirit coming in and penetrating into your situation, interrupting your circumstance, injecting himself into your conversation, interrupting your thought process. Listen, the Holy Spirit isn't rude, but he will be if you ask him to be. And I tell him all the time, interrupt me. I want you to be the rudest voice I have. Because when I'm in a conversation, I need the rudeness, the interruption of the Spirit to correct me and yank me back into the voice of the Spirit, not the voice of my flesh. So they were walking with him, filled with grief, still not recognizing Jesus as anything more than a prophet. The Bible says that their eyes were constrained and they could not see. They couldn't see. They missed the revelation. This is one of the saddest stories. It's not until they're finally sitting at the table. And I'm like, how much does it take for you to catch the revelation that God is with you? How much does it take for you to catch the revelation of what God is speaking to you? How much will it take for you to catch the revelation, to catch a glimpse? Because they were walking with Jesus, having a conversation, and he begins to speak the scriptures to them, and they still missed it. Ladies, I would like to propose to you, some of us have been trying our entire life and we're still not getting it. 
And this is why this is so critical. This is why people say over and over again, we've got to speak to identity. We've got to speak to identity. We've got to speak to the identity. Because the enemy hates your identity. He hates the power that you carry. He hates your destiny. He hates your purpose. He hates where you're going. He hates you. And he will do nothing. He will stop at nothing to keep you from coming into your fullness. In John chapter 20, it's the story of Mary Magdalene and John and Peter. And it says, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been rolled away. Then she ran and came and got Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to, which is hilarious to me, John is great. They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and, the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they ran together. And the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down, looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there as well. And the handkerchief had been there around, who had been, that had been around his head, not lying, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he said, and he believed. He, and he said he believed. For as yet they did not know the, what the, uh, sorry. For as, I can't see, see, I'm like, as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went, went away again to their own homes. Now, I'm, I read that for a reason. Mary, John, and Peter come. John and Peter, they peer in, they see that he's missing, and they leave. But Mary hangs around. Mary peers in again. Mary sticks around. Mary doesn't want to leave. She's looking for a revelation. She's expecting a revelation. Mary catches what John and Peter miss because she stuck around. She had the courage to stick around a little longer, to peer a little deeper, to expect a revelation. You know, the Bible says he is a rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him. When I go before the presence of the Lord, I have the attitude that I'm not leaving until I find you. I'm not getting up from this spot until I experience the healing that I need. I'm not leaving this spot until you reconcile what's going on in my heart. I'm not leaving this spot because if I don't catch a glimpse of you, I can't do this day without you. I'm not leaving this spot. We have to have the heart of Mary that says everybody else can turn away. When the worship ends, I'm just beginning. Come on, when the pastor says amen, I'm still just at the beginning. One more again, this is just the beginning. Every moment as you're entering into the presence of the Lord, you have to have the tenacity that says, I'm not leaving this place until I catch a glimpse. Because if I don't have the aha of the kingdom today, I'm not going to make it. Come on, I'm speaking to everybody in this room, not just somebody. I'm speaking to everybody in this room. I know it because I can feel it on my skin. Every day, you have to get on your face. Jehoshaphat, he got on his face. The Bible says he got on his face, and in the morning, he got up. The Bible doesn't say, but we can pretty much assume that he was down there all night long because he had predetermined, I'm not getting up from the spot until I get a revelation from my God. Because God, if you don't go with us, we're going to get our butts kicked. 
And I would like to propose to you that we are getting our butts kicked and we're exhausted and we're weary and we have all this knowledge of who we could be and who we should be and who we want to be, but we can't seem to get there. We need a fresh revelation. We need the Malak Yahweh in our lives. We need the aha of the kingdom that comes only by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. I can't do it for you. If I could, I would. If I could open up your mouth and shove it down, I would. If I could open up your eyes and sear it with his truth, I would, but I can't do it. God can do it and he wants to do it. And I'm here to tell you that before you had the revelation that's happening right now in this room, God was here before you had the revelation. He was here the entire time in Genesis 22 where God shows up and he says, Abraham, Abraham, don't sacrifice your son. And it says there was a ram caught up in the thicket. We are just now coming into the knowledge of the ram, but we don't know how long the ram was there. But I would like to propose to you that the provision, the presence, the ram was there long before he saw it. That's what it means that he says, I'm a Jehovah Jireh. It means not just I'm a provider, but I'm a God who goes ahead and has already provided in. Meaning you don't have a revelation, but that doesn't mean my presence isn't here and is not in existence. We need a fresh revelation. We need a fresh revelation. So she sticks around. Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and she looked into the tomb Peering a little bit deeper, some of us just need to wait. Just be willing to sit, wait, stoop, peer, expect a revelation. What everybody else is going to miss, I'm not going to miss. I have decided what everybody else is missing, I'm not going to miss. God, I don't want to miss out on you today. And the Bible says she wept and she stooped down and she looked into the tomb and she saw two angels in there sitting, one at the head and the other where the feet were, where the body of Jesus had been laying. And then, then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where he is at. I'm looking for my God. I can't leave this place. This is where I left him and I'm coming back to the place. I'm going back to my secret place. I'm going back to my closet. I'm going back to my face. I'm getting down on my knees and I'm not leaving. This is where I met the Lord and I'm not leaving until I see him. I want to know where my God is. I need to be found. This is not about, listen to me, this is not about you finding him. This is about you being still along that he, long enough that he can find you. Because Hagar was in the wilderness and God found her. Gideon was in a cave and God found him. Abraham was on a mountaintop and God found him. Elijah was in a cave and God found him. Moses was running after murdering somebody and God found him. Yes, he was still worthy of a purpose. God found him. Over and over again, we see where God finds his people. When I'm praying over people, anybody who's had me pray over you, you know I say this all the time. Just be still and let the Lord find you. We're just going to be still. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to stand here, and I'm going to believe that God's going to touch you. Just let him find you. Just relax your mind. Stop thinking. Stop searching, and just let him find you. Be still for a moment. Because they have taken away the Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but did not know that it was Jesus. His presence was there the entire time. Now listen to the revelation. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? 
She, supposing him just a gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, one word, Mary. He spoke her name. And at the sound of the voice of Jesus speaking her name like nobody else had ever spoken it, she caught the revelation. She had the aha. Some of us need to stop hearing the names that the world is calling us. Some of you need to stop hearing the names of your past. Some of you need to stop hearing the names in your own head, and you need to catch a revelation. Hearing God say your name, getting the aha of the kingdom. The very person of God breathing and dwelling within you is the Holy Spirit. He is the continuum of the aha. He is the continuum of the Malach Yahweh. He is the continuum of the revelation. Look no further, lady, I have, ladies, I have good news for you today. The Malach Yahweh is within you. His presence is within you. If you need an aha, just be still and let it come. Just be still and let it come. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered in to the heart of any man which, that which God has prepared for him. We're really good at quoting that part of the passage. But the Bible goes on, it says, except by the Spirit of God, except by the Spirit who is within the man. It says, but God has revealed to the, this to them through the Holy Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of God, that we might know that word know there means to come into knowledge by experience. There's a disconnect sometimes between what we know and what we're experiencing. What we know and how we're behaving. What we say and what we're doing. But by the Holy Spirit living and breathing within us, there is a revelation, an aha, a malak Yahweh that says, I want you to have more than just a knowledge. I want you to come into the experience of who you are. We could all sit here and say, I know I'm chosen. I know the Bible says I'm redeemed. I know that God says I'm forgiven. I know that we know it all because we are Christian women and we know what the Bible says. We've been schooled in the Bible, but we are not living in the fullness of who we are called to be. We need a fresh revelation that comes by the Spirit of the living God. Spirit of the living God, we will never be able to comprehend who we are with our own minds. I'm going to say that again. You will never comprehend the fullness, the magnitude, the gloriousness the fearfully and wonderfully madeness of your design, your purpose, your destiny, your call, your hair color, your eye color, except by a revelation of the Holy Ghost. Except by the revelation of the Holy Ghost. We've got to have a Malach Yahweh. This is why Paul prayed in Ephesians 2 that God would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation of a knowledge of him and that the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our heart would be opened up so that we live in the aha. I want everybody to stand with me, please. 
Some of you ladies in the room know this word, so, know the word so well that it actually keeps you from a fresh revelation of this truth. Some of you know the word so well. You can quote it inside out. You went to Cubbies, you went to Awanas, you know who Salty was, all of these things. You have got the word memorized, but you have not gotten a revelation of it. Maybe you had a revelation of it yesterday, but today you need a fresh revelation. Go ahead and close your eyes and open up your hands for me, please. See, God wants to do for you what I can't do for you. What Olivia can't do for you, what my friend Tammy can't do for you. We can't do it. So God, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit is beginning to shift some things. And there's an aha being released in the room. And there's a fresh revelation coming upon each one of these ladies. God, I pray not that they would see themselves, but they would see you seeing themselves. And God, even just for a moment that they would catch a glimpse, I see it. Oh God, I see it. I see you looking at me. And I see you see. And God, I agree with you. Yes, God, I'm going to travel to that place and I'm going to write that book. Oh God, I see it. Oh God, I see it. And I'm, I'm a little scared of it, God, but I see it. I see it. Come on, reconcile that. Reconcile that place because God is resurrecting dreams right here, right now in this room. Dreams that you feel like are long and gone and they're buried and I hear God say, tell my daughter, I have not forgotten her. That I didn't lie to you all those years ago when I said this is what I was going to do. I haven't forgotten you. Come on, God, you do it. Resurrect those dreams right now. I just silence the voice that says I'm too small. I silence the voice that says I'm too sick. Come on, that's a word for somebody in this room. I silence the voice that says, I'm too old. I silence the voice that says, I'm not good enough. You're a liar straight from the pit of hell. Because life isn't about being good enough. Life is about him being good enough. That's it. That's it. So I break that lie off you right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, I'm going to walk you guys through some deliverance. We shatter the lie of failure right now in Jesus' name. I take authority over you. The authority and the dominion given to me, the Holy Spirit, I reach out and I grab a hold of you by the neck and I pull your bite off of the necks of some of these women and I cast you back into the pit of hell. Come on, I'm not just throwing words out. There is a spiritual move having it going on in this room right now. I feel the Lord saying that he's restoring a firm foundation some of you have been walking on what you feel like has been shaky ground, and it's because you've been walking on your circumstance. You've been depending and you've been relying on people. You've been depending and you've been relying on relationships. And I'm shifting you right now into the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, the solid rock. I'm reminded that God says that as you do the word, that as those storms will come, you will not be shaken. And so I just take the authority over that faulty foot the twisting of the ankle. Ooh, I just grab a hold of you, you foul imp 
of hell and I pull you off right now in the name of Jesus and I restore the walk of the kingdom into my daughter right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father. I hear the Lord saying that some of you are being risen up into your rightful position in Christ right now, that the enemy is beat, is fine dust beneath your feet. I see the Lord restoring a shield of victory in your hands. I hear the Lord saying there have been things in your life that you think you cannot overcome, but I, God, have put in your hands today a a bronze bow that you can bend because I have trained your hands for battle and I am putting it into you today that you will defy the natural. You will scale the wall. You will speak to the mountain and it will be moved in Jesus' name. I'm restoring unto you the power of your voice, the power of your word, the power of your step. Come on, the Bible says every place you set your foot, I'm gonna give you that land. Come on, I thank you, Lord, right now. You are restoring. It's not about the land you're stepping on, ladies. It's about who you are while you're stepping on the land. Pick whatever path you want. Because if you are who God has called you to be while you're on the path, angels of goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. I'm not chasing angels of goodness and mercy. They're following me. I'm not chasing down signs. Signs are following me. Because I am shifting. I am shifting. Come on, somebody say, I am shifting. I am shifting. I will be who you say I am. I won't just think about it. I won't just pray about it. I won't watch my neighbor do it. I'm going to do it for me. I'm going to be the woman of joy. I'm going to be the woman who leans forward and laughs at the days to come because every fear is being broken off of me right now in the name of Jesus. I reach out and I grab you down by the neck and I pitch you back into the pit of hell in the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on. Just let it happen. Just release that just come on, release your praise. Come on, I'm doing all the work here. Come on, set yourself free. Come on, so. You do it, God. You do it, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Yes, God. going to peer in. We're just waiting for the revelation. We're content to wait.
Uh, the Lord's just showing me the, the story of Paul when scales just began to fall from his eyes. Yes, God, so we just stand in agreement that right now, the scale of doubt, the scale of fear, the scales of darkness, the scales of suicide. I'm going to call suicide out in this room. You're a foul spirit. I see you. I sense you. I take authority over you right now in the name of Jesus. And I tell you where the spirit of life is, death cannot have you. In Jesus' name, we thank you right now. Right now, come on, if that's you, if that's you, I just want you to lift up your hand. If you've been struggling with suicidal thoughts, no shame in this room, no shame in this room. We just lift up our hands right now in the name of Jesus. I just speak to depression, the spirit of despair, spirit of self-pity. Man, I've been cowering in a cave and I've been feeling sorry for myself. Come on, I'm gonna be honest so I can get set free. I'm gonna be honest so I can get set free. I've been cowering in a cave and I've been wondering, what about me, God? Why is everybody else? If that's you, confess and get set free. We just confess that spirit of self-pity right now in the name of Jesus, and now it is gone. Now it is gone, and we come into the knowledge, God, you have a path for me, you have a race for me, you're handing me the baton, and now it's my turn, God. I'm gonna run the race, and I'm gonna run it well, and I'm gonna run it without looking to my right, without looking to my left, without looking behind me, because I am dead set on the heart of Jerusalem, not distracted by what, what is going on around me. In Jesus' name, come on. Press in, press in. Press in. You gotta get past the inner courts and into the Holy of Holies. Come on, sometimes we get past the outer courts, we get into the inner courts, but then we back out when it's time to enter into the Holy of Holies. And that's where God does business. Fresh revelation, fresh revelation. Now I want you to make these declarations with me. God, today, I refuse to be inspired. I refuse to be motivated. Instead, I declare I am being transformed and I am being filled with unction, the energy of the Holy Spirit. See, motivation will come and go, but the unction and the energy of the Holy Spirit never leaves you. You do it, God. I bless you all in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to click subscribe so you can catch each episode every month. I want you to walk in your fullness. For more information about other services and resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. You can also find me on YouTube by searching Lisa Schwartz LLC. I look forward to connecting with you. Remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you.